Well, if you will, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. We'll be in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25. We are discussing this morning the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ. Matthew 11, beginning in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord has blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So by the grace of God, the Lord has allowed us to enter into a new year. We are not sure what the year holds. We are not sure what today holds. But we are sure sure that the Lord is ruling over all. That he will accomplish his perfect and good will. Now more than likely, you have plans for this year. You have ambitions. You have goals. Maybe you have new resolutions that you have already failed at. But I hope you have entered this year with spiritual graces focused upon knowing the Lord, glorifying the Lord, and enjoying the Lord. I hope you have started this year in prayer and that you are planning on having a prayer closet this year. I hope you are planning to read and to study and to meditate upon God's holy word, to know the Lord more intimately. I hope you are planning on shepherding those in your home. I also hope your plans involve using your spiritual gifts to mature and strengthen this local body. My prayer for us, for myself, is that this year would be a year of being fruitful. That we would love the Lord with the time that he has given us, not knowing when our time is going to be over. You know, today's verses are an invitation to all, for all to come to Christ and to find rest, to know Christ, to enjoy Christ, and to glorify Christ in the time that we have in this life. So may the Lord bless our time this morning as we study his word. So in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 25, I want us to understand the context here. Matthew is writing to the Jews. For the purpose of teaching them that Jesus Christ is King and the Messiah of Israel. In Matthew 11, beginning in verse 20, Jesus denounces three cities where many of his mighty works had been done. But they did not repent. The cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. These cities, they failed to repent. And beginning in verse 25, we learn something very important about the Lord, that salvation is a gracious work of God. 
In Matthew 11, verse 25, it says, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So three cities fell to repent. And Matthew records that Jesus prayed. Jesus thanked the Father, Lord of heaven and earth, specifically that those who are prideful before the Lord, those who are wise in their own eyes, those who elevate themselves, their status, their knowledge, that to them the things of God are hidden. Those who are prideful are in the dark when it comes to salvation and the kingdom of God. Verses 25 and 26 instruct us that worldly wisdom cannot save. Our intellect, our studies, they cannot bring about salvation, for salvation is a gift of God and is not a work of man. In the words of Jonathan Edwards, salvation is a divine and supernatural light. A divine and supernatural light. Whatever our preconceptions are, our wisdom, our works, our church attendance, our striving to keep the law, our strength, our wealth, it is folly before the Lord. Salvation is a gift of God. It is a divine and supernatural light. A miracle of God in the life of a sinner. It is a changing, a changing out of the heart. A heart of stone is removed and replaced with a heart of flesh. Being born again is a supernatural work of the Lord alone. And Jesus thanks the Father here in these verses for divine election. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So God sovereignly chooses who he saves and who he doesn't save. This is his divine right. He is our all-knowing God who is always good. He knows best and he, he is in heaven and he does as he pleases. And as his children, we do not question what his word teaches or what he does. We believe what it teaches and we praise him for all for what he does. He is Lord. We are his children and we submit to him. We are his creatures made in his image, not knowing the hearts of men. We are not able to discern who is saved or who will be saved. So we preach Christ crucified and the Lord will graciously save who he wills. Divine election actually encourages evangelism. It does not stifle it. For we are only God's mouthpieces. He who is the one, the Lord is the one who convicts the heart and saves the sinner, not us. We preach and teach the word of God and his word will not return void. We don't need to set the mood with emotional strings to bring about salvation. We just need to know the word and faithfully preach and teach the word and the Lord will work his perfect will. As creatures made in the image of God, we are not sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. So teachers, parents, youth, children, on our best day, on your best day, you are a failure before the Lord. On your best day, you cannot change your own heart or the hearts of those in your life. This is a work of God alone. 
And as Jesus is speaking about this, he is thankful and he prays before the Lord that the Lord reveals heavenly wisdom, things concerning the kingdom of God to little children, to those who are humble. Let us be reminded of what Jesus taught in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, the merciful, they go to the Lord through Jesus Christ, the Son. That God reveals things concerning His kingdom to little children, those who go to Christ. The Lord is not talking about childish faith here, but childlike faith with a teachable frame of mind. Those who are humbly submit themselves before the Lord. Those who trust the Lord. Those who are dependent upon the Lord for all things. Jesus later on in Matthew said this in Matthew 18. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, they were concerned about who the greatest is in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is talking about, unless you're like this child, you won't know because you won't enter. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great milestone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This revealing of the kingdom of God is done by God, for it is his gracious will and work. But how wonderful it is to know that God's gracious will is accomplished all the time. This past week, I am 110% sure that your will was not accomplished all the time. There were situations, there were times, there were conversations, there were things that did not go as you wanted them to go. But praise God, the Lord is working his perfect will all the time. It is wonderful to know that as his children. That God is spirit, that he is everywhere. He is doing his perfect holy will all the time. And he is not hindered by the spiritual forces of evil. And the Lord is not hindered by what we do. Our great God is all-powerful. Our great God is all-knowing. He is thrice holy, and he does his perfect will every second, and he does all things for his glory. Look at verse 27. He says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This is obviously not speaking about general, general revelation. For the earth and the universe leave us all without excuse that there is a God. We find this in Romans 1. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. 
Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, all mankind is without excuse. For his creation, general revelation points to him. So how do we understand verse 27? It says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So the Father has handed everything over to the Son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the channel by which one is saved. You know, in the Greek, verse 27 reads better by saying, No one really knows the Son except the Father, and no one really knows the Father except the Son. So the Son fully knows the Father, and the Father fully knows the Son. So the Father and the Son are equal. They are both God. They know each other absolutely. So our triune God is three persons, yet one essence. Jesus said this in John 14, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. So both the Father and the Son are divine. To see the Son is to see the Father. The Son is in the Father. The Father is in the Son. The Father and the Son are the same essence. The Father and the Son are both God. And no one knows the Father without knowing the Son. And Jesus is the channel of grace. He is the answer. He is God who put on flesh. So no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So the Son chooses, not man. Salvation is a miracle. It is a work of God upon the life of his choosing. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked Peter a question. But who do you say that I am? They were on the road and they were talking about what others had said about Jesus. And Jesus directs his eyes and his gaze Toward Peter. He says, But who do you say that I am? Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Sarman by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Peter did not answer this question because he was intelligent. Peter was not able to answer because he had said a prayer. Peter was able to answer Jesus because the Father opened his eyes. The Father revealed the truth to him of who Jesus Christ was who was walking with him. You see, our flesh and blood cannot reveal who Jesus is. God reveals who he is. He must make them born again. He must make them spiritually alive. If you need more humility right now, 1 Corinthians 1 is great. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. 
Not many were of noble worth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, to say that we have anything to do at all with our salvation is to say that we have something that we can stand before the Lord with and boast. And we cannot. Matthew Henry said, Christ chose the disciples not from the court nor the schools, but from the seaside. Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is your, not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. John six forty four is clear. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So salvation is completely and utterly a work of God. R.T. France sums it up well. Salvation depends on the sovereign purpose of the Lord of heaven and earth, and his choice falls on those the world would have never expected. All those who are saved are saved by God's grace, and outside of God's grace, no one will come to him and no one will be saved. If Christ did not love us first, we would hate him still. Verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 28 is an invitation to all. This is an invitation to every soul. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The divine election of God is not incompatible with verse 28. Verse 28 is an invitation to the prideful to come and to lay down their pride. This is the invitation for those who are wise in their own eyes to come and find rest and to realize that you are foolish and Christ is the wise son. For the one who thinks that they can earn their salvation by works of the law to know Christ and to come and to find rest in Christ for he is salvation for their weary soul. Joe Beek put it this way. These verses show God's glorious sovereignty and salvation and the gentle call of the gospel to all who hear. See the beauty of God's sovereignty and accept our responsibility. Christ said, come to me. Come all who labor and are heavy laden. All who labor or are weary, come to Christ. Those who work to exhaustion, Those who are weary and seeking to please God, come to Christ the Son. All who are heavy laden, come to Christ. Bring your heavy load to Christ. Bring your puny efforts and your worldly wisdom to Christ. Come and Christ will give you rest. That's a promise. If we rightly come to the Lord with humility, he promises to provide rest. To the weary and the burdened, there is rest in Christ. Those who are struggling right now, those who are overwhelmed, those who are overloaded, go to Christ and find rest. Rest from what? In the words of Matthew Henry, rest from the terror and the power of sin. There is no rest from sin outside of Jesus Christ. Rest. To permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his or her strength. 
So rest in this life is found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if you're saved this morning, I need you to acknowledge that many times you do not go to Christ for rest. You try to find rest in everything else. And Christ says, come to me and he will give it. Come to Christ, find rest, find peace. The words of Christ, I will give you rest, they come from the Old Testament, from Jeremiah 6. Thus says Yahweh, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. The ancient path, the old path, the good way, it is Jesus Christ. Jesus is a spiritual rest, the peace for your soul. Christ does not weary his children. Christ provides rest for his children who are weary. This is what our Savior does. It's what he's doing even now. In Matthew 23, Christ taught that the scribes and Pharisees tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. He went to the point of even declaring before these individuals, you are making them twice as much as a son and daughter of hell as you are. You see, anything but Jesus Christ is a blind guide. It is a false disguise and it is empty of rest. Anything but Christ is a heavy burden that is hard to bear. Come to Christ and find rest. This world is marked by unrest. And we live in it. The words of J.C. Ryle are true. Unrest is one great characteristic of the world. Hurry, vexation, failure, disappointment stare us in the face on every side. But there is hope. There is an ark of refuge for the weary, as truly as there was for Noah's dove. There is rest in Christ, rest of conscience and rest of heart, rest built on pardon of all sin, rest flowing from peace with God. Come to Jesus Christ for rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, come to Christ and take his yoke. Come to Christ and learn from him. Come to Christ and find rest for your souls. Christ has come for sinners and he calls sinners to come to him. He says, take my yoke upon you. The yoke of Christ is not like the yoke of this world. The yoke of Christ is easy and the burden is light. The yoke that Jesus is speaking of here is a wooden collar that runs across the shoulders of a pair of oxen and enables those two oxen to be jointly tied together, pulling enormous weights. So we submit ourselves to Christ, burdens and all, and we learn. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So we come to Jesus Christ, not just as a savior. We come to Jesus Christ as the divine teacher. That he is a disciple, it is a disciple relationship, not a yoke of oppression. He teaches and we sit at his feet and we learn. His words cause us to think differently. The next time you read it, you're sitting down by yourself and you are reading your Bible and you are spending time with the Lord. I want you to meditate upon that, that his words cause you to think differently. 
His words reorder your affections. His words cause you to live for him. So we come to him and we find rest because the rest of the world wants us to live for self, pleasure, and sin. And Christ says, live for me for this is why you were made. So what do we learn? We learn about the Lord. We come to the Lord and we learn about him, the knowledge of God and who he is. This helps us in this life. Theology. We have individuals in this church who wear their t-shirts during the week. It says theology matters. The study of God matters. The reason we declare that is we understand that the knowledge of God changes everything. It helps us in this life. The knowledge of God gives us rest in this life. In a world of sin, in a world of wickedness, in a world of sickness and hardships, we can have rest because we can bring everything to Christ. Knowing Christ and going to Christ is the answer. We are to go to the word of God and be taught. Being a child of God, having the knowledge of God, his grace, it changes everything. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Christ is gentle. He is meek and compassionate. He is humble. He is patient. Christ is slow to anger. He is not harsh. He is gentle at heart. Christ is also lowly in heart. Christ is accessible. He is God, and yet he is not far off. He is holy. He is accessible. He is lowly in heart, and he says, come to me. The words of Dan Orland here are excellent. You don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. No payment is required. He says, I will give you rest. You know, Matthew chapter 11 is the only place in Scripture where the heart of Christ is named. Charles Spurgeon declared that of the 89 chapters in the four Gospels, this is the one place we learn of the heart of our Savior. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So Jesus Christ is gentle and lowly at heart. Therefore, when we go to him, rest for our souls is found. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The the reason that many people are weary, the reason that many people are discouraged, the reason that many people are depressed is you are trying to find rest, but you are not finding rest for your souls. The law's righteous demand has been fulfilled in Christ. A yoke with Christ is easy and the burden is light, but the rest that we find is not rest from obligations. Because who we are in Christ, we are free. We are free to obey his commands. We are free to praise him. We are free to worship him. We are free to live for his glory. We are free to live as we were created to live. But we find rest in who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do. We find rest because we belong to him. You know, if we do not know the Lord, we don't know the Lord's promises. There is rest found in the promises of the Lord. You see, those who are chosen by God as his children, they know the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but not fully. We are still 
growing. We are not professionals. We don't have it all together. We don't know all things. In our rest, we continue to grow in our learning and dive into the sea of studying the one true living God. You know, this life, this life is a vapor. And it should be a vapor of continually learning more and more of his holiness, his greatness, and his will, and responding with the worship of him. Our mist is to be spent knowing him and worshiping him. By God's grace, we are saved. And by his grace, we grow. And by his grace, we obey. It says, Christ is gentle and lowly at heart. So we find rest in him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We have a cross to carry, absolutely. But the grace of Christ far outweighs the pain and the trials of this life. J.C. Ryle said, May we never be satisfied till we know and feel that we have come to Christ by faith for rest. And do still come to him for fresh supplies of grace every day. If we have come to him already, let us learn to cleave to him more closely. If we have never come to him, let us begin to come today. His word shall never be broken. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You know, Jesus Christ, he satisfies our soul. Therefore, Christ satisfies all things. Our needs, our affections, our desires, our wants. Christ satisfies all things and he does so abundantly. And far more than we could ever think or imagine. That Jesus Christ is great for he is king. Our king, he saves and he sanctifies. Our king, he sustains and he satisfies. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is rest to the burdens of this life. This is why he says, come to me. Come to Christ. Listen to the words of John Bunyan on coming to Christ. He says, this coming to Christ is a running to him, a flying to him from the wrath to come. When all refuge fails and a man is made to see that there is nothing left in him but sin, death, and damnation, unless he flies to Christ for life, then he flies, then he flies, and not until then. He who truly comes must forsake all, cast all behind his back, and cling to Christ alone. See, we come to Christ with all our sins. Come as you are. Submit to him as Lord. Submit to him as teacher and learn from him. Come to him and find rest for your weary souls. He is gentle and lowly at heart. Jonathan Edwards said, There is no love so great and so wonderful as that which is in the heart of Christ. Now, the heart of Christ is lovely. We are to go to Jesus Christ and find rest. I mean, this is what Jesus taught. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Christ is everything. Jesus plus nothing is everything. So all sinners, we come to Christ. We repent and we turn from our sin. We come to Christ. Saints, build in your life unhurried, quiet moments with Christ every day. Every year at this time, I am reminded of the tyranny of the urgent. 
that we have so many things that come into our life, so many things that take away from just us living for the Lord. We have alarms here, notifications here. We have things that are no longer tools, but tools that talk to us. And they draw away our attention. They draw away our mind. They draw away all of our affections and all these different things. But yet, we don't make the time to have unhurried, quiet moments with Christ every day. To come and sit and to be still and to know that he is Lord. To come to him and find rest for our souls. There is no rest to be found outside of Christ. Our minds need to be transformed. We need to come before the Lord as a child, ready to learn from him, ready to grow, ready to rest, ready to hear from him. So we open up his word and we read it, and that's him speaking to us. We are to come to the Lord, come to Christ and find rest. So whatever you do this year, build in your life unhurried, quiet moments, time where you can pull away and just be with the Lord. Find satisfaction. We look for satisfaction and joy in so many different things, but find satisfaction and joy and rest in your Savior, for he is a gentle Savior. Feast with Christ and live. Go to Christ. He is gentle and lowly at heart. And if you've never come to Christ, come to Christ. Call on him. Ask him to save you and to forgive you of your sins. But come to Christ. Find rest for your weary soul. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you that your word reveals the heart of our Savior. He is gentle and lowly at heart. He provides rest for us weary saints. He provides rest for sinners. Father, we know that you are ruling over all the universe. We know that you are completely doing your perfect and holy will. And we as your people, we are to worship you. And we know that there is forgiveness found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that we're going to fail each and every day. But those sins have already been covered by Christ. But we are petitioning you right now. Asking you that you would give us the discipline this year to come before you, to fall before you each and every day, to abide in your word, to camp out as little children eager to learn and to grow from you, our Savior. May we not waste another day <coughs> trying to find rest in the things of this world but find rest for our souls in Christ. Father, use your word to spur on, to convict, to encourage us as your children. Use your word 
spoken today, Lord, to draw sinners to you. And we pray all this in the name of Christ, his holy name. Amen.